Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Straight Up Podcast, episode 20 this week, first episode of 2021. So just at the start, I'd like to uh, wish all our listeners a happy new year. Joined as usual by Ashin, and this week we have on down senior footballer, uh, captain of the senior football team, Kayla Mooney. Welcome to the show, lads. Thanks for having me, man. All good, boys. So, uh, without further ado, getting into the episode itself, just coming off the back of Christmas there, and uh, as I said, Happy New Year to both of you. How did you spend a bit of downtime there with the family? I know you were trained away, Keen, looking at those arms. I'll put them away then. Um, <laughs> I trained away in the gym by myself. Uh, during lockdown, I put a gym in my missus, mum and dad's guard, so I've just been able to take away by myself and then just get out in the road, do a wee bit of running, but... Now, it was good to get a bit of time away from collective training with teams and stuff, so you sort of have a time to reflect on the year that's been. So, look, it's the year and it's the past for the reason, and I'm happy to look forward to 2021 now. Exactly, and coming off the back of what well, this is lockdown number three, we're, we're all used to training at home and getting the head down. What about yourself, Ash? You must train in. Um, plenty of walking. I'm not sure how much use that'll be whenever the season starts, like, but it's good for the head anyway. Plenty of, plenty of walking. Um, and around like the likes of Shaw's Bridge and stuff and around Belfast, so good for the head. Um, but I think just like Keelan says, of big plans for 2021, so the training load's going to be picking up here in the next couple of weeks. But obviously, as you are well aware, gyms are closed um, and stuff, so it's going to be similar to the previous lockdown, just trying to get bits and pieces done at home. Um, so just on on the fact that gyms are closed and you know, training is restricted. What's what's your current situation with training, Keelan? Obviously, you're you're well decked out at home with your setup. But what's the situation with down then? You aren't you aren't collectively training then at the minute. No, officially you're not allowed to do anything at the minute. So the boys are just being given certain gym programs to to follow, and yeah, boys are doing it as as best they can. And um, look, it'd be good to get back in on with boys. Like it's it's all about good doing it on your own. Sometimes you can't drive yourself as much as. You can when you've had boys here are there to push you on a wee bit. So look, you just have to bide your time. But it's been a weird enough yeah. I'll set up this since COVID's come in. But look, you have to live with it as well as against it. So look, you just take it as it comes. Yeah, yeah, big time. I'm sure. And you were talking. You, you spoke. Oh, sorry, um, you spoke there about having having a good bit of time to reflect on things. Probably more time than you would have liked because. If he's had of obviously beaten Kevin, he's would have had another. It would have been extended, you know, two or three weeks. Um, what would your what would your reflections be then on the twenty twenty campaign? But more so on that on that Kevin game because obviously is you should have you should have got over the line in that one, and it would have been interesting to see is then in in the game after that. But what would you say then? Summarize that Kevin game or just the season in general. Well, my season only was two games for them, so it was a pretty short season for me anyway. Yeah. Um, but looking at the Calvin game, uh, it's it's a game of two halves, as they say. And we were good for about 40 minutes, and then just Calvin came out of us for 30 minutes. And, and uh, their purple patch was we couldn't get away from it, so they finished the game better than, than we started. But looking back, like we left a lot of chances behind us, and I think... You might look at it and say, if we had a tougher chance in the first half, that Calvin would have been too far out of reach anyway. Well, there's a bit of hoovering going on here. <laughs> you can hear it. All right. um, yeah, but look, it's a positive season. A lot of new faces have got blooded in. So it was a condensed season for new boys coming in. So 
now that uh, 2021 season is not too far away, it gives them boys that taste of championship football and understand how far they have to increase themselves to to be able to withstand that level of, of football. So no, it was it's, you take the positives out of the negatives. Absolutely, it was. I think it's been a case for down football the last couple of years. Certainly, much like Armagh myself, um, we're we're sort of building just like your, yourselves. I was at the game in Asler two two years ago. It'll be then. Now we're in 21 and um, we went to extra time, uh, nearly got over the line. And then again last year, um, obviously everyone knows what happened with Calvin. It was just unfortunate how things unraveled in the second half is. But I'm sure there's a view inside the, in the camp that you can sustain that sort of first half output over a 60, 70 minute game and sort of put teams away when you have a lead because you no doubt have the ability to get in front. And I suppose the key then in this year, what, what do you think is just to be able to kill teams off and sustain that pressure, sustain that scoring output? Yeah, I think even two years ago, the year we got beat by Mayo in the qualifiers, it was shot efficiency let us down and it was the same against Calvin. So we have the ability, but there's no point having the ability if you can't finish it with a score. So I think that's what we'll probably tackle this year, hard in preseason, is shooting efficiency to make sure that when we cross the 45 that we are clinical and follow the goals. That is the difference in golf for class. Like if you don't take your chances on a team in a division above is going to score every time they're crossing the 45 it's it's sort of hard to counteract it so I think Paddy and the lads will have it well thought of of what we need to work on and I think shot efficiency would be a key one Do you see yourself I know last year uh, Paddy, Paddy the manager made yourself captain of the team um, did you relish that role as captain and do you see yourself going into this new year new season um, having the sort of obviously of course lead by example like any player would but sort of bring those sorts of viewpoints to the table sort of the home truths. Um, would it be fair to say that some of the the younger players, yes, they've pal, but they would need to sort of shine through when it matters. You know, obviously coming on that second half was probably the one thing that I read that sort of maybe let you down a bit. That there wasn't that, you know, um, step up through and you know subs rolling in, subs rolling out. You just need to make sure the whole panel is up to speed. Yeah, um, like I said, the young boys got a taste for it, and it's. It is a jump like these boys have played club football and think that that level's sufficient. But once you go to county level, it's a two or three jump higher. Like it's it's an extreme. The pace you don't have as much time as you would maybe at club level. So I think these boys, well, I just try and entice them just to sort of flourish what way they play. Just like some boys can come in and play in, under their skin a wee bit. So you just try and if boys come in nervous, then they're gonna play like that. So if you come in with a bit of confidence and bring what you bring to your club to the county then you'll be halfway home so I just try and entice them to be just come in and, and enjoy it because a lot of boys might come in maybe kick a few mistakes maybe miss a few shots and start beat themselves up but look that's life you just have to relish the, the misses with the good and you have to just build yourself so I think the young lads have learned and they're starting to come out of their shell like you noticed even before the Fermanagh and Calvin game that the boys maybe that were new that year were talking very little and then as you got into the back end of the season it started to come alive a wee bit and have a bit more banter and trend so it's good to sort of see the morale coming through and that's what I would like is just to make sure that boys come in and feel comfortable that I remember when I came in 2011 I was afraid to even look at people the likes of Danny Coulter, Ambrose Roger, Poley and like, I was a nervous wreck so now you don't want to bring boys in and feel oh, I don't want to talk to these boys or so you want to bring in an attitude that look you're welcomed in and you're point of view will be listened to like so if you have something to say just said so yeah and there's a lot of young boys coming through so it needs to be that way you can't just be afraid to speak 
and would like that's that is totally um i would absolutely 100 percent agree um but how like is there other people as well as you that would be of that mindset and all actively encouraging you know people to express themselves and you know in the panel absolutely yeah you've got a, a fair lack of, of experience there too that understand that look if you make a mistake you don't sit and beat yourself up about it and if you come in and play restrictedly then you're not going to perform at the level that you're capable of so yeah there's a lot of experienced heads there too that are, are enticing boys to just show what they can do and i suppose as you said there there's boys young lads rolling on the panel now like saying oh there's big mooney don't want to you know kick away in front of him just like you were saying the likes of culture and all back in the day um, and, and it's funny how that sort of works out like that but i suppose then you know looking back to where it started for you keelan um before you even stepped into into Down Jersey, talked a bit about the success you had with Coleman's then back in back in your school days. That there seemed like we were looking at your sort of career going by, and that was one of the highlights that I thought because I'm a Korean club's very hard to get, especially you know you get success uh, through successful years. So um, what was sort of the highlights along that sort of side of things? Yeah, it was it was new for me because I only went to the college in sixth and seventh year. I left St Mark's Warren Point like and. A lot of people talked to me about McCrory this and McCrory that when I was in the minor panel in 2009. And I just had my clue. I just, to me at that stage, football's football. And I just went into the school and just took it every every game as I came. You sort of seen once you got to the quarterfinal stage what it actually meant to people, even players that aren't playing in the school. So they're turning up to all the matches, like in busloads and wearing their blue and white. And you're sort of thinking, right, this is a bit more serious than, than I'm actually pretending to be. And I think the first year was... Like the foundation year for me, it was good. I and mean, you seen after the final whistle when we won, the amount of people running on, like grown men coming on and, and boys that are past pupils coming on. And um, and then I sort of understood how big of a competition it was in 2011 and I embraced it more and I sort of felt a bit more involved compared to what I did in 2010. But I, the, the, the success was great, but the party days after were even better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was just thinking then, like in terms of those two teams, obviously littered with absolute quality, but also a lot of leaders on both teams as well. So do you think that really laid a foundation in terms of you being able to grow as a leader and expecting, expecting a certain standard from players that you played with, not only in ability, but in terms of character as well? Yeah, it was a good mix because as good as county level and that is you're playing with people of your county whereas St Coleman's had a mix of down men on those bosses to say some half decent I'm on men too but um, <laughs> so it was good to sort of see what way like you knew what way the down boys sort of counteracted for leadership and you were I was seeing what way our boys were trying to lead it so it was a good mix and it, it definitely helped me in my first year because I wasn't actually used to it and boys had been there I think they'd lost the semi-final the year before and it sort of you understood what it meant to them. So it, it definitely did and helped lift me for 2011 and then grow as a, a player and hopefully a decent leader. And in terms of, in terms of, I know we're going to come into this in a more detailed discussion, but was it during that Sakodman's period that you had your first contact from Australia? Yeah, it was November. I had someone ring me and I literally just had a new phone so I thought the Aussie accent sounded a bit English so I thought it was someone to go to so I just hung up the phone and he texted me again a couple of days later just 
And I said, oh, is this about the new phone? He goes, no, no, completely different. And I was like, right, okay. So then he rang me and says he was a scout over here for Collingwood and that he would like to come up to my house and meet me and my mum and dad. And that was the, the start point. So it was I think November 2000, 2009. Oh, was that early, 2009? Yeah, well, it was that start of, like, what is the McCormick Cup in the college? So he was oh, coming yes. to watch a couple of M games as well after me playing for Down Miners the year or that season previous to it. And that season with Iron Miners, you were still last year under 16. That's right. Yeah, I was, we're still ever under 16 now. Yeah. Jesus. I remember seeing photos. You played Mayo. Did you get to like the quarter final, the semi final of the All Ireland? I beat the semi final. Gillian O'Connor rattled the net twice in the second half. Jesus. So you were playing midfield for, midfield for Down Miners when you were 16? I actually got moved. I was midfield for all the games. Then I got moved to left half forward in the semi final. That's right. where the, the number 12 enticement came for the college, I think. Yeah, and then would you say it was in that period then for Down Miners that you're in the shop window for the likes of AFL scouts? Yeah, because the seen my attributes against a two-year gap between me and some players playing it, and they seen the athletic ability, and they just thought that was all they needed to see, and they were happy enough. And then what was the next, what was the next, after that first initial contact then, did they come over to your house at that stage, November 2009? <laughs> To be fair, they had people in Ireland, so they were like their scouts before the, the big ones from Australia came over. So I've met them a couple of times and went to the gym a couple of times and they just sort of tried to build me up to what to expect and doing a bit of kicking and stuff. And then it was February 2010, just before the McCrory semi-final, the head recruiter of Collingwood came over to watch that match. Yeah. How'd it, it go? I wasn't great, but he thought oh, yeah. I was good. <laughs> he didn't care about the Gaelic he just wanted to see the attributes so he seen me jumping and sprinting that's all he wanted to see yeah makes sense what was it like having that sort of level of interest in yourself at such a young age the fact your you know preparation for games how you were going to you know assert yourself in the gym did you feel like you had to do uh, do more then to really to seize the opportunity you know current interest and the, you know the, the offering of essentially a contract to go over there and play um, at that stage, I, what I think was just turning 17, um, I was still sort of getting nervous before games anyway, so that was no different, the fact that he was coming to watch. Um, but in terms of gym work, like at, at that stage, like myself and Drum Johnson were hitting the gym and just doing bicep curls, thinking that was, just, <laughs> wanted, to, just wanted to fill the jersey. Yeah. So there was no structure to what we were actually doing in the gym. And then I sort of, these boys from Ireland that were, the scouts for them here were just showing me different things and structuring my gym work and stuff. So I suppose I did see that I had a lift, but my outfellow was always a big thing to say, look, stay away from the gym. So I didn't really properly tackle weights till I went to uh, Collingwood at 18. So we're going to, come, going to come to that in one second. But during that initial phase then, when you hadn't signed, were you speaking with Marty Clark at different intervals or was there a relationship before you went over? Yeah, we met up a couple of times. I think Derek Hine, who was the head recruiter, was just chatting to Marty to ask him about me and then just to see if he could make contact. So it wasn't too bad. Like Marty lives out in um, Crownfield, so it's only like seven or eight miles from Restraver. So we did a couple of sessions in the gym together, just basic as, as basic yeah. could be. And we went out for a few kicks and then at a time we were starting doing runs through the mountain and stuff. So no, he was good. And then obviously when I signed, he signed too. Oh, did you score? Did you score at the same time? 
thought he when was my, When my official contract was due to start in 2011, Marty had decided to go back to Australia. So me and him flew out together in October. Oh, yes, right now. He went out two stints. Um, right, so then in terms of signing, when did you when did you exactly sign the contract? The contract was, well, I was handed the contract in the airport on the way home when I was just about to leave Australia. And uh, the only, I didn't really you realize like what they saw then. What's that? They obviously liked what they saw when you went over there. And then on the way home, they're giving you a contract because they don't want you yeah, to leave. Yeah, but the outfit, he knew after 10 days that I was getting signed, but I was still there for 18 days on top of that. Like, so I was just still trying to impress. And I think I'd run the 20 meter, and I think I was maybe top. I think I was the quickest in their club over 20 meters. And so I think that was what enticed them to yeah. stay or get the contract out. And then what was your first, just talk us through, I'm just trying to picture. So you're out there, you've signed. How are you feeling whenever you're walking into your, your first session or being introduced to the squad? Nervous, excited, probably a bit of both. You sort of get introduced because when you're on trial, you're you're on trial as a player. So I was being introduced into like team meetings and the thing, and every player has a seat in the sort of area you're watching footage. So I was walking in, I was anxious, I didn't know where to sit. And one of the coaches that I got friendly with was telling me to sit in a certain seat. So I sat there and everyone was looking at me as if to say, Why are you sitting there? And then another boy who was the development coach, not the guy that told me to sit there, I was like, here, get off, that's the coach's seat. I was like, oh, right, okay. Oh, then I had to go and try and, <laughs> go and find myself a seat. <laughs> so that would have been so great. My first day as a trialist, sitting on the coach's seat. And so then I just got myself way up into the back corner and kept my head down for the rest of the, that day anyway. Yeah. I can imagine it must have been a very, like, almost exciting, of course, but intimidating to be going over there as such a young lad, um, you know, one thing, those, those sorts of wee, you know, jokes and that are all, all part of the crack. But I've, I'm sure, like, physically, like, these lads are, you know, full-size professional AFL players. And, you know, any one of us at 18, you know, you're not a scratch in what you would be now. So um, what was it like, you know, physically as, as well as mentally having to go in there and, and, and be away from your family and go over and sort of start a new career, a new life, and um, as well as being over there to, to perform on the pitch as and adapt to the culture and that side of things? <clears throat> Yeah, it, it was. It took a, a long time to sort of get used to walking in and embracing the, what you were actually doing because you were a nobody to them and you weren't actually sure of their sport. So you're going in as as like a, a well, you are a rookie, but I was going in as an even more rookie compared to even the younger rookies coming in at my age too. Um, but even just being away from home, like it. Like some boys might be homesick there and had a four-hour flight, whereas it was by the time I left the house in Australia till I got home at to Restraver in Ireland, it was like thirty-four hours in total of travelling. Like so, it took a wee bit more time to get home for me, and it, it was hard I, when you're coming out of secondary school. Like I was, I didn't think I made my bed, turned the washing machine on, or even washed the dish. So yeah. to be over there, I remember having to ring me mum asking her, "How do you boil potato? Or oh, how do you boil spuds? And then what are you doing?" So I was texting her how to do all this here. <laughs> So it was a bit weird having to go into a place by myself and just start sort of humming myself, like cooking, cleaning. So it was a bit of a shock, but it, look, it's it's good at the same time because you learn a lot more. But I'd say a few boys in the Holy Land still at that age weren't using no washing machine or that. Still to this day. And Keelan, just on that, in terms of your accommodation then, were you living with other rookies whenever you first went out or living with a family or...? 
I was with a couple of first year players, yeah. So it was myself and then there was a guy, big guy Corey Galt, and then Jamie Elliott, who's still one of the top players in the AFL. Me and him started living together. So yeah, it was good. Right. And in terms of like just to give a snapshot of what an average an average day or an average week in terms of training and training load, like what would that what would that have looked like? I know you had said previously that rookies is slightly different a bit more there's a bit more volume for rookies yeah rookies we had to go in an hour earlier to do like an upper body session before we went out onto the pitch and then you were on the pitch so your sessions could have been anywhere between 15 and 18 kilometers on the the -hmm. track and then you were coming in off the pitch you were doing a leg session and then you were doing a conditioning session and then if you want to do some extras with a coach you had that as well so pre-season was pretty full-on like and what is what is 15 or 18 kilometers on the track is that like intervals or probably a combination of different things is it it's predominant the start of it is all skill orientated so match situations uh, skill based kicking handballs and then at the end the conditioning coach just would have had you running for the sake of running what about what about the dad side of things to keep up with all that training as a youngster obviously trying to grow and put on a bit of size as well as stay fit and in shape I'm sure you're having to pound some calories down, were you? I was pounding too many down. I was getting big, but getting big in the areas that you weren't supposed to. So <laughs> <laughs> me and the skin pull drift never went well. And here, and then just looking before, you know, we decided to see or to chat about when you did decide to come home, how did things develop for you then over three years? Talking there about, you know, you just sort of getting into things as, you know, uh, a new young Irishman um, in a foreign country playing a different sport. Did things, did you break into the team and did you get much um, uh, much chance on, on the route with the real thing? Um, I, the, well, the first, I think the first reserve game I played, it was against Geelong Reserves, who's one of the better teams. I think it kicked, I think it was three goals. So they were thinking, right, things are looking good. And I think it went, it was very rare. I didn't go again without scoring goals. So it was, I thought it built into it pretty quickly. But in terms of like the tackling, I think the tackling let me down a wee bit and sort of trying to evade tackling, whereas Gaelic, you don't get tackled. Whereas Nazi rules, you can run straight line in Gaelic and you can get away. Whereas Nazi rules, you try and run straight line, you've got some bear coming behind you and just ripping you down to the ground. So <laughs> it took me a bit of time to get away from, or get used to the actual evasion of the tackle. So that was what sort of slowed my development down. And then I think my first year was my eighth or ninth game. I kicked five goals in the reserves. And then I got my debut the following week against Freo. And I came on as a sub. I thought I did enough that I got two tackles, two goal assists, and about six or seven touches in the space of a quarter. So I thought I did enough to stay in the team for the next week. But the coach had other ideas and he just cut me out. And that was sort of the theme that started for me. I was getting in and then I was getting put back out. He would never give me back-to-back chances to actually build my development in the, the ones. And I always thought in the twos, I was doing more than enough to be in the AFL team because the boys in my position weren't doing much scoring so I didn't think I was treated too fairly and then that's what sort of sped up my decision to leave and those emissions start to wear you down then uh, well they did when I was doing enough when I was coming on to, to stay in the team and I was just being I think I was just being targeted because it was the easy option I wasn't an Aussie so I was an Irishman and they are like right so we'll just drop him and try and keep the Australian ones here and keep them happy. And so it just felt like I was being wrongfully treated because of where I was from. Here, 
who were you who were you referring to? Who were you turning to to try and speak about those sort of difficult moments? Because I imagine that it was like really frustrating, and obviously being at the other side of the world, it, you know, it might not be as easy to for someone to relate to that who's back at home. So who were you who were you turning to? Well, there I had a, we all had development coaches, like, and I built a real good uh, relationship with my development coach. His name was Craig McCray, who's actually now a coach with Richmond Tigers, who are one of the top teams in the AFL. I think they've won the last two or three AFL grand finals back to back. So me and him were always just having conversations and he was getting as frustrated as I was because like, I don't know what else you have to do to try and break into this team. So it's sort of reassuring that it's not just me thinking, oh, I'm, good enough to play and I'm just being arrogant to say oh, I'm being dropped for no reason so at least I had a coach who was agreeing with me that I was doing more than enough to be in the first and so I so by the time I got to the third year me and him were both just so hands in the air to say what do I have to do and if I missed maybe one tackle the coach would be like right you missed that tackle I was like well there's more than me missing tackles and I'm still scoring more than what the boys in the, the first are scoring so it was a bit of like I, it's just the easy option is to pick something very small for me, and that's the reason why I didn't get in. I think what that does hit home is sometimes if you're playing sport, um, you know, you have a romantic picture of things that the playing field is always level. Whoever's working the hardest, you know, hard work wins. You know, if, if you perform, you're in. Simple as that. But obviously, there are different powers in play, and the playing field isn't always equal. And I think, especially coming from the other side of the world in their brand new sport, in their brand new culture, in their brand new club, you know, obviously, I wouldn't say the odds are stacked against you, but you can certainly imagine how, how, how your experience could could happen, you know. Yeah, it it definitely felt that way. That it was just the easy option. That as much as he is doing more than enough, it's easier to sort of find something not to play him. Whereas if one of the Aussies does it and not performing, they would find an excuse as to why to keep him in the team. So it, it definitely it was not there, like it just because of where I was coming from and how far behind everyone else uh, they thought I was. I didn't think it was as bad as or as far behind as what my performances were showing. So it was, it's a weird one. It all depends. If you get a, a good coach, then things fall in, in plan for you. Yeah. And you always need a bit of, a bit of luck or a bit of momentum you know, a couple of things combined and and then the landscape does change. Um, so just on that then, did you sort of say to yourself, right, I'm going to give myself another three months or another six weeks and if things don't change, then I'm getting the plane home and I'll come back? Yeah, I sort of got into my, my third year and I can't remember if I played any games in the third year with the seniors, but I think by that stage I got through pre-season, everything was flying, I was Bagman two is playing well, and then I just got the same treatment, and I said, All right, "This is it. I'm just I'm not coming back after this season." And I just kept telling the development coach I was working with, "I was like, I'm not coming back after this year because there's no point in me wasting my time here if they're not going to repay the effort that I'm putting in to put me in the first. So, I so that was I made my decision about five or six months before uh, the season even ended. Was you gonna look back on the time then with uh, like no no regrets almost as in. You, know, you did what you could and you can only really play with the cards you're dealt and if whoever was picking the team in those occasions wasn't picking you and you can say you know it wasn't due to you know you weren't given 100% or whatever it may be and 
as as well on top of that, um, turning towards when you did decide to come home, Keelan, was there an element of looking, you know, what was going on at home in terms of what Dan were doing? Was there an eagerness to get back um on a Gaelic pitch um, and get back to involved back at home? Was was any of those sort of draw factors sort of drawing you home as well? It, it wasn't anything to do with the Gaelic. It was just me as a person being treated wrongly. Like I was just fed up with it and I just wanted to get back probably closer to home and so I knew if, if I was getting treat, treated wrongly there that I was a comfort there to be beside me if things weren't going well. So I think um, we were due to go into like one-to-one sessions at the end of the season and the coach says, when are you going home? And I says, I'm going home as soon as possible. And there's like the Copeland Trophy, which is the end of year presentation. So I went into that meeting, hopefully being told I was going to get delisted. And it says to me, this is what we need you to work on. I always don't waste your breath. I'm not coming back. I'm going to terminate my contract. And then that was the end of it. I just left and packed my gear and, pardon me, took myself home and got myself prepared to go back down. And did you blow a bit of fire or lay out any sort of explanation as to why? Or did you just... They didn't even ask. It was just, okay, it's your choice. Really? It's just because it's a business. That's it. They just see you as a, another person. You can be replaced. Sounds, sounds pretty cool, like... <laughs> it was but and then they, they took you set a swipe card to get to the club and by the time I left I was trying to go back in the next day to get the rest of the stuff out of my locker and that was already cancelled like so no way cutthroat it is it's just in and then you're out what what time what time was this frame as that is this at Keel is this 2000 and it would have been 2014 14 14 yeah so yeah. you've been back now then what's uh, six years turning into seven now in 2021 and then how have things been then since you've come back I know it's been a lot longer than you were actually over there but did you feel obviously I'm sure you're going to answer that and say you made the right decision of course but did things what sort of what what direction did life turn then once you come back on to our side the first couple of years it just I just let the hair go I just took out just um, went drinking as much as possible and I was playing for down but I wasn't really the player I was now or that I am now because I was just wasn't taking anything seriously and I was getting injured because I come home with a bit of extra weight on and I was still partying and just trying to relive the, the probably the life that the lads at my age had up around Belfast and I was just catching up a wee bit and it sort of took me a couple of years to get myself really back in tune to how things were going and leaving the panel 2016 because things were at the lowest of low that I couldn't went any lower and it sort of took me that full year away from it to realise that I really wanted it. So then I came back in 2017 and had a decent year and I think I've sort of maintained that level of play as much as I can since then until now. So, yeah. In 2016, whenever you left, do you mean lowest of the low in terms of performance and then based on that, just your mentality as well then? Or- no, it's not even any. It was just me physically and mentally away from the pitch. Just on a complete low and I just wanted time away to try and see if I can get myself maybe back to maybe enjoying playing football and that and I was still playing for my club but again I didn't really care I was just going because that was just another thing to do to pass a bit of time so it's yeah 2016 I had a few things away from football that happened and yeah it was a year that sort of maybe helped me to come back to be the player I was because it was that low that I knew it doesn't matter how far I would go, I couldn't get as low as that. So it sort of enticed me to build. And yeah, 2017, getting nominated for an All-Star and then getting 
the chance to go to international rules, having to turn it down because of Restrava, sort of built me as a character and, and really helped me push on. And it's maintaining me to hit them levels of expectation now every year when I play for down. Yeah, 100%. I can see, can see exactly why that would be the case. Uh, another interesting thing that I wanted to ask Keel was how did you find coming back into Gaelic uh, over here? Did you feel like your time in Australia benefited you in terms of your athletic ability or performance? Did you look at things maybe uh, in a higher, through a, a more sort of professional lens almost than that you did spend your time in Australia and dealing with that sort of atmosphere versus, you know, Gaelic is obviously an amateur sport and that sort of thing. And then you brought those sort of things back to Restraver. Honestly, no, because of the way I was being treated, I just didn't really, I didn't listen. I've started now, obviously, as a, a PT now, I wish I had of maybe engaged myself a bit more and learnt what I was actually doing a wee bit more because it would have benefited big time. But the way I was going through the last sort of five months in Collingwood, I was going through the motions, didn't really care, didn't listen. So it sort of took me that couple of years to get my sort of mentality a wee bit, right? I have to take Gaelic more professional than I enticed it to be. So by the time I got back into 2017, I sort of started to change the way I hit training. And it's, so I've sort of wasted two years after coming back to maybe get myself to the level that I was capable of. Then at the same time, as you said, you were coming back with probably a bit of frustration, anger, and you could maybe have justified blowing off a bit of steam, maybe not for two years, but for six well, months anyway. <laughs> Took two years to get myself right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then in terms of so 2017, great year. Um, and in that was it the year after then that you had been having a bit of experience in the halfback line? Was it 2018 then? No, 2017 was my first year at halfback. Um, because I, I remember coming back in because I'd left the panel in 2016 when Eamon Burns was still the coach and manager and. So I was. I actually had a text him a big message to look, just tell him that I'm mentally ready and that things will change. I'll be a better player for it. And then as soon as I come back into the club, a man, uh, Damien Watson, who's the kit man, but he's also the Mister Down. Like it, you don't go anywhere without talking to Waddy if you need something. Like so, he was quick to tell me one day before we were doing a session, Tully Moore just now sitting in his van, was freezing. He had the heater on, so he's just like, "You're going to be playing half back this year, so get yourself ready for it." I was like. Okay, cool. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah. that's Was that exciting then? And like we thinking then that I suppose Gaelic had been changing probably since probably since you were in Australia, maybe since like 2012, 13, where halfbacks, halfback was almost like the new corner forward in terms of impact in the game, like the likes of Jack McCaffrey, Lee Keegan, um, I don't know, Carl Lacey, like bombing from halfback. So we sort of thinking yourself in a similar sort of mold in terms of impact in the game? See, it took, um, I didn't really understand the concept of the halfback was the new, the attacking position as I do now, that you'd much rather be a halfback than a half forward these days. Yeah. Um, but it took me the first sort of, I didn't start the first National League game in 2017, then I came on against Clare and I was playing too safe. I was just doing as an out and out defender. I used to stand with my man and they were like, just go, go. And then it was against Meads and Park S where I just let the shackles off and just started bombing and causing havoc. And that's where it just started to build. And I understood that my position was I can come from deep to, to impact. So yeah, yeah it sort of it built after the, the Meads game and um, it sort of carried on since then. Nice. And then in terms of in terms of leadership within the panel then, 
at that point, whenever you obviously, I suppose whenever you're in a county panel, the first thing you have to do is perform. And it's only whenever you're performing then that you, you have a real valid voice, if that makes sense. So based on, on the back of those performance, were you building a bit of momentum and looking up in terms of becoming one of the leaders at that stage? At that stage, probably not. At that stage, I was just happy to be back short of playing. Yeah. If I had something to say, I would say it, but I wouldn't just goes. oh, I'm an out-and-out leader here for this this team. I, 2018 and then when Paddy came in 2019, I sort of really stepped that up and just tried to, unfortunately, times against you at, at county level. Like When you're 18, you think it's never going to end, and now I'm hitting 28 at the end of this month. So you sort of now... Right, I have to maybe entice younger lads to come through and, and maybe try and point them in the directions that I didn't go when I was there is and try and help them come on a wee bit. So I think this last couple of years I've really sort of attacked the leader aspect of the team now. You said that uh, was this your first year as captain, Dan Kiel, was it? Well, I only could make captain after lockdown because Darren, who was a captain prior, went out for surgery. So I was captain for the championship. Right. Oh, I'm sitting in Rostrava here at Lizzie's house, so I need to ask you about Rostrava and your time at, at the, the wee club. Um, so tell me a bit about how how that went as far as when you came back home and sort of maybe you already asked me about what, how down went, but um, being a little village in South Down here, did you sort of feel like you had a role to play um, as one of the main men in the club? And also, did, did, has Rostrava had any success? I, I'm not from here myself, so maybe just talk a bit about that because I know you are moving down Patrick I'm going to ask you that at the end what your goals are for this year but just about Russ Traver and you can reflect a bit on your time here um, I when I came home there was big expectation but I was just in the mindset that I didn't care like it didn't matter what people expected of me I was just like look it is what it is football football to me it's only a hobby and then sort of 2017 after the good year with down it sort of helped maybe push me on a wee bit at club level and then we got to won the Ulster down intermediate and got to the Ulster intermediate final that year and we sort of built and maintained because we came from Division Two and at the end of twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen we went back to Division One and then that was just a goal to try and maintain ourselves as a Division One team and things that was the only success like we've always sort of had to try and fight to to keep ourselves up but like as I say it's a small village there's not that many people there and. For the small village, there's like eight or nine pubs in, in the space of the wee town. Like, so <laughs> yeah. there's more, more things outweighing the chance of going to the football field. You have to pass near enough eight of these pubs to get to the pitch. Like, so it's sort of easier for people to maybe fold the football and, and hit the pints a bit easier than it is in certain other places. Yeah, yeah. All sadly closed at the minute, but uh, hopefully open again very soon. And, and, and speaking as a, a village team, Ashin, what do you think about aspirations for our gal? And how are you looking forward to going in the in New Year with, with your team. I know last year you had a bit of injuries and stuff like that, so what are you looking to bring to the table this year? Well, in terms of Ag as a club, he's similar enough to Rostrever, small rural club, not that many of a pick. Um, and then based on the last few years, like we're a young, talented, up-and-coming team, but we've been say- I've been saying that for three or four years. So, you know, it's time to, it's time to deliver, um, definitely for us. And then individually, I just need to play ten games back to back, and then and then that'll be my body ready because I haven't played five games back to back since I don't know the start of the twenty eighteen season, um, just accumulating different injuries. But we'll not talk about that. So yeah, 
just focusing on getting games played back to back. And I know that if I do that, that good things could happen. So that's my big focus. Yeah. And and for yourself, Keelan, coming into this time last year, you were coming into the year, obviously I'd injured and I'd injured for a good while. What was that process like of coming back from something that wasn't, you know, like it's not like you tore your hamstring, for example, it was something a lot more serious than that. You had to spend a lot of time out of the game, how you chop at the bit to get back in. Um, and what, what was that like, you know, looking out from the sidelines? Because as, as Ashin said to me before, when he's been dealing with his injuries, no matter how injured you are, you always feel like, you know, you just you just wish you could be on, on the pitch and your voice maybe is, is as valid as someone is, is actually on the grass. So what was that like? It was a weird one. Um, going on the back of last year, even like as early as November, December, I actually re-signed to the AFL draft because I was chatting to Marty. He's a thing down in, in Dublin. And he's like, come down for a session. I was like, right, I'll come down for the crack and see what it is. And then I went and had a bit of kicking. There was a couple of like scouts there. And so I, he asked me to sign back onto the, the AFL draft. And I was like, right, I'll sign on and see what the crack is. And as soon as I signed on, there was about four or five teams instantly were keen for me to go back to Australia and play. So I was sort of taking it as lightly as possible. I had a serious conversation with Geelong Cats, head of recruitment and I was really enticed to to go to Australia again but then I chatted to Tally and I really committed myself I turned it down and committed myself to down so I had big aspirations to push on and, and really help down via get out of division three and then what happened happened I was lying out I wasn't able to do anything for I think it was before I played first there it was like seven months so for the first four or five months of that there I was near enough just well for the first two or three months it was as basic as just trying to walk a certain length of distance without getting dizzy and having to sit down again so it, it was a weird one because it didn't actually happen on the pitch so that's how I couldn't accept it and it was hard to sort of get my head around the aspect of you know, you've had a, a serious head injury but it's from nothing related to sport and because sport was still continuing at that stage it was harder to even accept because I was still turning up the downtrend and like sitting in the stands because I wasn't really moved too far and I always wanted to be a part of it and it, if I could try and talk to people and help them just by watching training, that's what I tried to do. But it was it was really tough at the start, like the first three to four weeks in January, it was, it was serious. I was just like, what's going on here? Like, I'll probably rather not be here if this is the way I have to be for the next lock of months. And then it sort of passed me by that, right, you sort of have to get yourself out of this rut and you have to set yourself. So I just kept setting myself like certain targets and... I would like walking a certain distance at the start and then maintaining that walk and trying to push it on a wee bit. And then I just kept annoying Tally, telling him I'll be back for the end of the National League, which would have been in March. And I'm sure he his ears were, were melted because he probably knew that I couldn't do it. And he was just having to say, yeah, yeah, we'll have you back, we'll have you back. So if I didn't get myself then we sort of short goals, I'd probably be sitting in a rut for maybe the whole time and I wouldn't have the time to sort of fill me as a player so I, once I was able to walk, I started to entice, entice myself to run. And I hate endurance training. Like, so it was good to actually get myself in that frame of mind that right, if I can use this time to improve my endurance, it'll help my speed during games. So it really sort of helped me as low as it was. It's actually improved. And I feel like I'm a more, a, I can more attributes in terms of, I can offer my speed a wee bit more because I actually tackled more endurance work during the lockdown when I was able to run so as bad as it was it's had a lot of positives coming out for me as a player 
think that journey, um, as rough as it was, and I can only imagine, it highlights the importance of those we incremental targets, you know, um, just having something to go for, getting it, and then obviously on to the next one. Yeah, well, it's actually um, the psychologist with Down, Dr. Karen Kearney, enticed me to read Jim Stein's book. And it says a part in the book when he was out running the mountains, as tired as he was, he was always looking at a fence in the field and he'd go, right, I'll go to this fence. And as he got to that, I'll go to the next fence until he couldn't go anymore. So I was sort of just using that aspect nice. in my head to be like, right, walk this distance and try and walk that distance. And then it sort of built and built and built. And then I go back to playing it. So it is good to have the advertisements. And I use that now when I'm going into the gym. Like some days you go into the gym without writing a plan. You just throw a few exercises in, like, right? I can't even be bothered. So it's good to have it pre planned and wrote out so it's there so you see exactly what you have to do. So that's a good way to sort of approach even just the gym session, just write something down because you go in without a frame of mind. The amount of people I see walk into the gym, they do a couple of setups, a couple of bicep curls, maybe a bit of bench press, and then, like, right, that's enough. I'm like, yeah, you're just sort of, you, when you come in trying to wing it, you're just leaving yourself way shorter than what you could actually achieve if you write something down. So now then we increments are were key to me coming back a bit quicker than I was expected to. So whenever, at what point then did you think, right, I'm ready, I could, I can go and play for, so your first game was back for Restrever, was that a club or a, a league game or a championship game? It, well, you could say it was a glorified friendly, like, because it wasn't, you weren't playing for anything really. So I played against Merrill Bridge and that was the first 60 minutes in I only played 28 minutes in the Mechanic Cup game the day of the incident. That was, again, Christmas, too much thinking and hamstrings weren't feeling great. Um, <laughs> and then, so we got that game out of the way and then we played Clint Duff the week after and I near tore my soleus and my calf. So that left me out for about now five or six weeks, but I didn't really care because it happened whilst playing. So I understood where it came from. So I was like, right, I just have to get this built back up again. So that didn't affect my mindset in any way. And then we played down Patrick in the championship and I was still sort of carrying that injury and I sort of got about 45 half decent minutes in and then I sort of had a limp through the last 15 to get over this and then we had two or three weeks before the next game and everything felt right and then that sort of helped me build. We got a tank and bike and coup and Jerome Johnson. He near ripped the SC joint out of my shoulder and that left me out for the last six, seven weeks before down were due to start again. So by the time I got back into down, I was just running. I couldn't actually do any contact. And then just one day I said, I can't even be arsed. I'm just going to throw myself into tackles to see if it hurts. And it didn't really hurt. So I just started walloping boys and get myself back into the, the frame of taking hits. Nice. Jesus. So it's some, it's some journey back from yeah. the original incident then as well. Tor nearly a torn calf on the SC joint out of socket. Aye, sure. Yeah. You only get stronger through time. 100%. So then, but you were back for that Fermanagh game obviously mm -hmm. and really really solid performance individually and um, probably mm -hmm. the highlight being you were like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo going down the right flank <laughs> one around the right and then hand pass inside for the goal um, but at that stage then would you say you were still struggling for like aerobically or were you happy enough with where you're at in terms of endurance? Um, I think even the week of that Fermanagh game my shoulder uh, did a big hit in Dan Guinness and I just heard my SE joint crunch and I couldn't carry it properly so I ring Tally and says look I'm going to need an injection in this if I'm going to play Sunday 
or I think it was the week before, sorry, because I had to take two weeks off. So I wasn't allowed to train for two weeks before the Fermanagh game because I got a cortisone injection in my SE joint. Right. So I was sort of anxious going into the Fermanagh game because I hadn't played a full inter-county match since the Mayo game in 2019. So I was like, am I still going to be able to last this game? Am I going to have any impact? So then the game came. I think the first half had a couple of runs and I started to get a wee bit more confident. And then I did the loop most people try to do straight i like to go around people <laughs> take the scenic route but yeah. it's different to ronaldo ronaldo would do the shooting himself i just like to assist time the assistant so yeah. yeah i felt good and then i was getting to the cabin game full of confidence that my ability was still there and i could have a, an impact in the game and so yeah it was it was a good one to get back it was after the front game i was just buzzing went to mcdonald's and everything after <laughs> <laughs> solid a solid no doubt happy meal <laughs> Here, well, in that cabin game, um, just quickly, you went a lot straighter. You went down the middle a lot more in the cabin game, fair to say. I seen more space against Fermanagh. They had it well loaded, so I yeah. had to take the scenic route to try and, if I had to try to go straight, there was a lot more numbers there that could have stopped me. But I, I seen a fair few gaps against the cabin ones that I, I just had to try and hit. That's the way I always play. And if it was anyone that had any amount of speed, is go straight at. If you see a gap, go for it because either you're going to get fouled or you're going to get through it. Yeah. So that's the way I always play. If you see a gap, you try and try and break through it. Well, that wasn't a play to me. Like I wouldn't be wouldn't be renowned from a pace like. <laughs> I went through the gap against from our cabin, and if I had had Ronaldo's skill, I would have had the ball in the back of the net. Uh, yes. When you when you don't play much ground ball, you just hit and hope, and it didn't go didn't go well. It went well for Gallagher, not for me. Mm. Uh, so that's only. A couple of matches we're even talking about here, lads, and plenty to to see. You know, you still got it in your in your legs, Keelan. And looking forward to definitely 2021 with Darren. I'm sure who knows what'll happen, but hopefully he's kick on and, and plenty more from yourself and, and the rest of the fellas. And and just finally speaking of the morn route, so you'll you'll no longer or the coastal the, the morn scenic route. That's what it is. You'll no longer be making the drive from Strafford to Down Patrick. Then you'll be settling in Down Patrick. Um, What's the crack with that as far as that goes? You're looking forward to a new challenge, um, maybe uh, new team members, but also less of the 40 minute drive it takes. Yeah, look, it, it wouldn't have been an option until my missus told me that she was pregnant. So that um, sped up the process of the transfer. And so once I heard the child was coming, right, we had to get a house. So we've got a house coming at the end of the month in Dare Patrick. And the thought of having the child, I always want to be there. And the thought of driving for down training at the first quarter of the split season made the decision that we bit easier. I was thinking, I can't do it from, say, we start with down December and finish in June and then have to do it again for the rest of the year, doing it to restore that drive up and down. So it sort of made it that I had to stay. I couldn't be away from the house. Like it's a 40 minute drive down and then you have to do a 40 minute drive back and then you might have a two and a half hour training session. So that's a lot of time to be out of the house away from the child and it would take pressure off me missus as well because she'll want to have want to go out and do stuff if she can. So if I'm away constantly, it's going to put pressure on her. So I didn't want it to be that way. So it was an easy decision that, look, it's easier for me just to travel five minutes up the road to train and come back as quicker. So yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it because I've been about to Patrick this last nine, maybe 10 years with my missus. So I've always been in their company. So it might we played them in the championship and I think they'd be happier to see me and their team because one time I just give I just like to talk a bit of bit of trash sometimes and they might be happier that I'm doing it with them instead of at them. At them. 
Well, yeah, they must be absolutely delighted. Like, I can only imagine somebody says, I, Keelan Mooney's going to join the panel here next week. <laughs> the club yeah. team, like, that would be, that's some gain, some gain for them, like. Um, but here, so, could Dan Patrick push for a championship, would you believe, with the addition of yourself as well? I wouldn't even like put that in the category at the minute because there we are well we are now because I'm We are in division two, so I think you have to take the league more seriously wow. than you would the aspect of the championship. The championship will come at a time you could be sitting perfect in the league that you could be like, right, we can maybe push ourselves to see where we can go. But I think you have to start with Priority. get yourself up to the top table and, and get promoted. And then everything else is a bonus after that. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's fair enough. Um, and are you nervous, excited, or probably just in a state of like enjoyment as well? Because you would say maybe that having the child is going to be the biggest priority and then playing football is going to be your, um, I'm not going to say your, your get out or your escape because that would sound terrible, but certainly, you know what I mean? It's going to be... Yeah, oh, that is what I'm, I'm gonna have to start watching tutorials on YouTube how to change an app, <laughs> uh, especially because you didn't know how to boil potatoes. Well, there you go, <laughs> I can do it now. Yeah, awesome. well, as I was saying, it's it's bound to be just a state of enjoyment, then new club, yeah. a bit of excitement, absolutely. It's, it's, it's something new, you attack something new all the time with a bit of like excitement that you don't know how it's going to go, and you're sort of it's you don't know what way it's going to plan out or play out. so yeah. Look, I'm excited to get get involved in that, but we're serving their Patrick. We've been meeting in the championship for a lot this last number of years, so it'll be a bit weird if I get their audience then. I was thinking that actually. Um, would you fancy? Oh, probably, probably be tight enough, a tight enough affair, would it? Absolutely, yeah. I'm not going to say anything negative about it. <laughs> yeah. Do the talking on the pitch. <laughs> The transfer still hasn't officially gone through, like so. I don't want to say turning too bad if something falls through and have to go back. Well, look here, it's it's been a remarkable story when you look at yourself this time last year, an un, uncertain recovery process, a long road ahead. Then heading into this year, you got a new club, baby on the way, a new house, um, inspirational stuff. The new says himself, Keel. I think went full story there from your time. Um, obviously through Australia and then a little we got an extra wee nugget in there actually and then he was potentially going to be going back to Australia but obviously it didn't go that way so look it's, it's really has gone full circle there big time um, and yeah just I would absolutely agree um, fascinating story Keelan I think although Marty Clark had went to Australia and obviously Fallis had went before him I think based on maybe my age or whatever you were the first one that I really sort of had a real interest in because I I'd obviously been following you throughout those um, St. Coleman's years and a lot of people were talking about it. So I think you were the one, you were, you were the first, you know, Irish guy that was going out to Australia that really caught a lot of people's attention, obviously because of the sheer, the pace primarily, but obviously a lot of talent. So I think to get an insight on that um, and then obviously your journey back um, with the Darren camp and then I think everything we spoke about basically has just been, been fascinating so thanks again for joining us on the show and wish you every best of luck with Darren with the new family new gaff um, and then with a the new club as well so just thanks again from, from my side of the court thanks for coming on it's been a pleasure
Yep, 100% echo everything Ashley says, Keenan. Thanks. It's been a pleasure getting get, uh, to chat to you today. Um, and look, where can people find you then on Instagram, social media? Where are you at? I never change them, always. That's the first Keelan thing you've got. Keelan Mooney. It's an under hyphen. I'm not sure. I think. We let them know. We let, let them know. know. That's right. <laughs> nah, dead on, man. Thanks for having me. I'm here. All the best with it in the future, too. 100%. Folks, that's episode 20 in the books. Thanks for listening. All the best. Happy New Year.